0: Revelation 10, the verses 8 to 11, and in response we'll sing from Psalm 19, stanzas 4, 5, and 6, Psalm 19, 4, 5, and 6, after the scripture reading. But we begin with Psalm 19, and this is the word of God to the choir master, Psalm of David. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then we turn to Revelation. Revelation 10. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So far, the word of God. congregation the text for the sermon this morning is Proverbs 27 verse 7 Proverbs 27 verse 7 and there it reads the following words one who is full loathes honey but to one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet love congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ why would this text be in the bible it just gives us a kind of a universal truth about being full being hungry but in the book of proverbs you might know that the spirit often uses universal truths to teach us spiritual deep spiritual truths very practical spiritual truths. So the Spirit isn't just passing on some general practical wisdom from everyday life, but passing on to a spiritual wisdom from above. Wisdom we have to take to heart with respect to our spiritual appetite for the promises of the gospel in Christ. And with that in mind, I proclaim to you the spiritual appetite. We see three things in connection with that appetite. First of all, sweet and bitter taste. Secondly, a full appetite, thirdly, a hungry appetite. First of all, sweet and bitter taste. So Congregation, the inspired writer of the book of Proverbs in our text, noticed the things that go on in the world also today, practical sense. He noticed people who ate such a big meal that they weren't even interested in some sweet honey anymore, On the other hand, he also noticed people were so hungry that even a raw potato tasted sweet to them. He thought deeply about what he saw, and he wrote about it to teach us something about our relationship to God in Christ. First of all, then, it talks about bitter and sweet taste. Let's first think about that sweet. Honey is very sweet. It's also quite healthy. It gives you quick Burst of energy. In ancient Israel, it was highly valued for its sweetness. They didn't have sugars like we do today. And then it was also esteemed for the energy that it gave. Remember how Saul's son Jonathan dipped his spear in honey during battle and how his eyes became bright again. He could fight on. In fact, honey was so highly esteemed that the Lord God used it to describe to the Israelites how wonderful the promised land was. He described it in many places in the Old Testament as a land flowing with milk and honey. Now the word used in the original language for honey in our text is a very specific word which indicates honey in its purest and tastiest form. I'm no expert about honey extraction. But you would get that honey by scraping the wax seals on top of the, on top of the, the cells that the bees made Scrape the, the wax off, and then by means of gently shaking the honeycomb, you would catch the honey as it dripped from the honeycomb. We sang with Psalm 19 about drippings of the honeycomb. Well, that was the purest and the, the, the tastiest form of honey. It was healthier and more precious. That's the kind of honey that's mentioned in the text. Well, the writer of the text noticed someone who loathed that kind of honey, hated it. Got sick even looking at it. The original word, which is translated in the text as loaths, literally means to tread underfoot. That person despised it so much that he would just step on that golden sweet honey. Why would a person do that? Because well, because he's that person is has eaten so much he feels ready to burst. If you're that full, sweet honey is the last thing you'd still want to eat, and the thought of it would even make you feel more like throwing up. It doesn't even cross your mind to save it for later or for somebody else. You just want it out of your sight. On the other hand, the writer of the text also saw someone who was poor, very hungry, starving. And that person was happy with scraps of food which other people tossed aside, even if that food had started to go bad and didn't taste good at all. To him, it was tasty, even though it was moldy and probably also bitter. When you're really hungry, even food that is nasty tastes good. Think of the prodigal son in Jesus' parable in the the Gospel of Luke. He lost all his money, and then there was a famine. He got a job as a swine herder, and he was so hungry that even the the pig feed looked good to him. Tasty. But what does all this about food and how it tastes have to do with your spiritual life today? Well, we also read a couple of other parts of the Bible. First, Psalm 19. The psalmist compares the word of God to sweet honey, as we mentioned, to drippings of the honeycomb. Then we read from Revelation 10, where John was told to take the little scroll in in hand. From the hand of that great angel at one foot on the sea and one on the land. And the angel told him to eat that scroll. And as he was told, it was sweet as honey in his mouth, but in his stomach it was made bitter. As you might know, that scroll represents the word of God. The gospel, which contains the mystery of salvation. And that gospel is itself sweet as honey to the mouth. It proclaims God's sweet grace in Jesus Christ, but it's also bitter. It includes the call to follow Jesus Christ, to take up your cross and follow him and deny yourself and stay faithful to him in, even in the face of trials and persecutions. And the Lord warns numerous times in the gospels that, that That would bring hardship. The gospel was going to bring hardship, and people will reject you for holding it, for living according to it. The apostle John, who wrote that, found that out too. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. So there you have the sweet and the bitter mentioned in the text for this this morning. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, can be sweet for you, incredibly sweet. But it can also be bitter, cause you bitter struggle and suffering. struggle in yourself, but also maybe suffering from outside. And then you realize that our text certainly says something about how we take in the word of God. It has to do with what we do with the Bible, the gospel. With our worship, with home visits we receive, catechism instruction, Bible study... Women's and office bears, conferences and so on. All activities going on in the church in which the Bible is central. It has to do with that. Sweet and bitter. So then we, that brings us to the second part of the sermon this morning. And the Bible, full appetite. The Bible congregation is compared to honey in the Bible. And how is it like honey? Well, the first place, honey is wonderfully sweet and flavorful. And the Bible is the revelation of God's wonderful love for men. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Bible is the book in which God reveals his covenant of love with believers and their children. What the triune God has promised covenant children in the Bible is beautifully summarized in the form for baptism. Hope to hear it this afternoon. As Father, I promise to avert all evil or turn it to your benefit. I promise his son to forgive all your sins and make you righteous before me. And as Holy Spirit, I promise to live in you and renew your heart until you take your place among God's elect in life eternal. Beautiful promises from God's word. Sweet promises. The Bible, you could say, is God's love letter to fallen people in a fallen world. And his love is for everyone who believes. It's like the pure, sweet Honey mentioned in the text. In the second place, like pure honey was precious in Israel, the message of the Word of God, of the Gospel, is precious. And that's because it's the message of God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. Every word in the Bible was written with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If Jesus had not suffered death, there would not have been a Bible. That makes the Bible the most precious, valuable thing on earth. Like pure honey in ancient times, written with the precious blood of Christ. The way of salvation, reconciliation with Almighty God. Third, in the third place, honey is nourishing. It gives you energy. The gospel feeds and strengthens you in your faith in the promise of salvation in Christ. The gospel energizes you to love your Savior and to love to walk in His commandments. It also feeds your hope so that you always look forward to and live toward the return of Christ in glory. The gospel is so necessary and so nutritious for a life of faith. And that's how we could say the Bible is like pure honey. Tasty, precious, and nourishing to the soul. As believer, younger or older, you'll notice that. The Bible shows God's love in Christ, which is sweetness to a broken and contrite heart. The cross of Christ revealed in it is, is, will be precious to you then. And it feeds you in faith, hope, and love. Do you notice that too, brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls? That the gospel of Christ in word and sacrament is as desirable and sweet and precious to you as pure honey drippings of the honeycomb? However, the first part of the text shows us some someone who ignores that sweet, precious And nourishing honey, who loathes it, steps on it, so to speak, rejects it, despises it, because why? Because they're so full. Full. Who might those people be who are so full of other things that they have no taste for that sweet, desirable, nourishing, spiritual food of the Word, the gospel of salvation? Well, the Bible itself gives us an example of people who were so full that they lost their spiritual appetite for the gospel. Revelation 3, the Lord tells John to write these words to the church in Laodicea. And then he warns the Laodicean Christians that because they were neither hot nor cold, he would spit them out of his mouth. And then he says, verse 17 of Revelation 3, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. See, the Laodiceans were materially rich, were filled with selfish pride and self-preoccupation, and that happens so easily when you become well-to-do. Then you can become filled with pride. Look what I've achieved. You can become filled with spiritual pride. Look who I am. Such a righteous person filled with notions and ideas and sentiments which do not come from God, but from our materialistic culture, secular culture, and that can lead to becoming lukewarm in your faith. You end up with less and less of an appetite for the sweet, savory honey of the gospel. And that's because you have filled yourself full of the things of this life and of this world. You become sated with that. You listen more to the devil than to God. And oh, the devil isn't going to bring you to despise the honey of the gospel of Jesus Christ right away so that you throw all your Bibles in the garbage. No, the, the devil's a lot sneakier than that. He begins by getting you to leave your Bibles shut for the odd day. Too busy. Skip devotions, skipping devotions, the odd time isn't going to make me an unbeliever. And I know the Bible well enough. But do you really know it then? And don't you realize that you're losing your appetite for the pure, nourishing honey of the gospel then? Slowly on, you're losing your appetite. And then the evil one can come and tempt you in Sunday worship? Ah. Sermons I heard lately are so uninteresting. And then during worship, when the gospel of eternal life is being opened for you, your mind wanders to all kinds of other things you do for business and pleasure. You're already planning what you're going to do for this week while you're sitting at church. The bringing of the word almighty of the almighty doesn't captivate you anymore then. It doesn't attract you. And then you figure it's no big issue to skip the odd worship service. I can do without. Missing a few worship services isn't going to land me in hell. But do you realize that you can, you're on the, on the road to ending up despising the sweet, nourishing honey of the gospel because you're full of other things? I find, you know, sometimes I find that, that there's a push in churches to try to change how we worship. To change the way we do church, as some people say. And the reason is that the way Reformed worship has been structured over the past centuries no longer meshes with today's good feel-good culture. Too sober. Reformed worship doesn't appeal to modern people. Things have to be livened up. More contemporary, upbeat music to lift up the emotions. More audience participation with Bible reading and so on. Shorter sermons. Maybe props for the sermons. But if people are bored with Reformed worship, which is designed to keep the Bible central, I'm afraid the problem isn't with the worship, but the problem is with the appetite of the heart. Is there still real hunger for the pure, sweet honey of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think of Bible study. In a lot of churches today, Bible study groups struggle to survive. Why would would I attend Bible study? I find Bible study with others so boring and irritating. And the people can be so irritating with their, their... Thoughts and discussions. It's a lot more relaxing for myself to watch a nature show at home or busy myself with my hobby. Why should I go? Or, young people, think of the catechism classes. Why exert yourself to learn about all those doctrines which don't seem to have that much to do with your life at this point of time? It's a lot more interesting to spend time on social media like Instagram or so or playing video games But you realize, young people, that if that's how you think, you're actually filling yourself with other things, ultimately full of yourself. And that's why you have no appetite for the nourishing honey of the gospel. And you might even end up loathing it, the sweetest of the sweet. And think about this. In the meantime, there are people on earth who yearn for a Bible, for even one page of the Bible. Think of North Korea. It can cost your life to be found with a Bible there. And people in underground churches secretly pass around single pages from a Bible, and they memorize that. They memorize it. How they hunger to be able to be in a worship service, to hear the gospel proclaimed or to discuss the Bible with others. They thirst for that. And that, while there are Christians elsewhere who are so sated, they think nothing of skipping opening their Bible during the day or skipping worship for a lame reason or who can't be bothered to join a a Bible study, irritating. (coughs) Brothers and sisters, we constantly have to examine ourselves. We have to think about our spiritual appetite. There is so much to be busy with and to enjoy in our Western world here, in our society. So many new things to see, so many new and exciting things to take pleasure in and to be occupied with. We have to watch out that we don't become so full of all there is to hear and see and experience in this world and in this life that we end up so full of it all that we loathe the honey of the gospel of eternal life, eternal life and blessing in Jesus Christ. So if we find ourselves declining in taste for the honey of the gospel individually or as church too, we need to repent and pray for the Spirit to restore that appetite for the pure honey of the word. Maybe some fasting of everything that is out there would be good. I pray for the Spirit to restore the appetite for the pure honey of the word, for so much of what people stuff themselves with in this world today is like candy floss. Looks big and sweet, but there's no substance to it, no nourishment at all. It's temporary. It's passing away. But the sweetness and joy of what's promised in God's word in Christ is substantial and eternal. And that's what we truly need to develop and keep an appetite for in this life. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon, a hungry appetite. Congregation of the Spirit says something else in our text, the total opposite of what he described in the first part. To one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. The the Bible mentions hunger and thirst. Quite often, actually. But then it's referring to spiritual hunger and thirst. Think of Psalm 42. We sang that earlier on. As a deer will thirst in anguish for a refreshing water brooks, so for you, O God, I languish. Thirst. Or think of what the Lord Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. In other words, blessed are those who long for the perfection of Christ. And that will only come after this life or when Christ returns in glory. In this life, though, it remains something that believers hunger and thirst for their whole life long. They reach for it. They hunger for it. And the Holy Spirit works that hunger in their hearts. And see, congregation, hungry souls have appetite for the Bible then. It's sweet and nourishing to them. The love of God in Jesus Christ is delicious to you then. You seek it. You take it in hungrily. For that word feeds your faith, your hope, your love, so that you grow in them and continue in them. And you become hungrier and hungrier for it. It says in the text that to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. The Bible contains things that are pretty bitter to our human nature, eh? Right? hard things, painful things. Think of the law of God which confronts you with your sins and shortcomings. That's a sin. Those are sinful thoughts. Those are wrong motives. Those are sinful lusts. That shows lack of love. And it's bitter to be confronted with our sins and shortcomings, isn't it? The law uncovers my selfishness, my pride. If you think about it, you think the law through it, it uncovers a lot Of my complacency. The word of God is sweet. But it's also bitter when it confronts me with myself. But for the hungry person. Everything bitter is sweet. And that's because you realize that God confronts you with your sins and shortcomings. Out of love. In order to drive you to Christ. To his cross. And to bring you to pray more earnestly for the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. And see then, even the bitter parts of the Bible, the, the, the parts that are bitter to the human nature, are sweet for you as a believer. Oh, sometimes it seems that the Bible is more bitter than sweet, eh? Think of all the condemnations in the Bible. The whole book of Jeremiah seems to be about judgment on God's people for their sins. Think of the book of Leviticus, so many sacrifices, so much blood necessary, all because of sin, bitter, hard to swallow. Now, we're such sinners in ourselves. But for the spiritually hungry, those who look to Christ, who realize their need for him, everything bitter is sweet. For the, the hungry appreciate the warnings that they, and they have the appetite to search the word and to find the honey also in the hard parts of the Bible. They find it in the, the parts that others skip over and are offended by, or they try to reason away, such as the parts about sexual purity or about the roles of men and women. If, if you're hungry, you love those parts of the word too. Also in a society which thinks they're outdated, You're medieval if you think that way. The thing is, whoever hungers and thirsts for the salvation of Jesus Christ wants to understand the Bible, wants to live according to it, and their hunger and thirst are not going to be easily satisfied. They look forward to the next bite if something tastes good to you, you don't easily say, I've had enough. Right? You won't easily skip a meal. In the same way, if you hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ, you're not going to miss a sweet Sunday meal either. Are you? Here in church? Or your your daily devotions, you're not going to skip them. You'll even look forward to Bible study. Young people, you'll even come to enjoy catechism classes. One who is full loathes honey. But to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. To summarize, if your soul is filled with the things of the world and you see yourself as a good and upright person in yourself, then the sweet gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be indigestible to you. But if you know yourself a sinner who is justly condemnable before God, who has no future beyond here, then that gospel of Jesus Christ is sweet honey to you. Sweet. Then you'll taste sweetness even in the hard parts of the Bible about self-denial and suffering for Christ have to think of the interview with a Christian man from Laos, which I saw recently in a, in a, in a video from the, the Voice of the Martyrs. Good to look at the Voice of the Martyrs sometimes. This man was in prison for his faith for 15 years, and he kept a Bible hidden somehow in his cell, a little wee Bible, and the Bible was found. He was beaten almost to death, and he was put in isolation for years and years. Time and again, he managed to get another Bible through the the bars of his cell or, or pages from the Bible. And even though they were found every time again, he was beaten over and over again. He still was hungry for that gospel, even though it meant bitter suffering for him. Congregation, do you still taste the honey of the gospel? Are you so hungry for it that even the bitter parts are sweet? So that even if it inconveniences you, even if it causes you hardship with yourself, suffering, that it's still sweet to you, so sweet because it's written with the blood, the precious blood of your Savior? Are you that hungry? Amen.